And I want you to take your Bibles. I want you to turn with me to the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians, if you can find it. Thank you, guys. The book of Colossians. And uh, today we're going to talk about roots. Now, I don't, I'm, I'm sure you know this, but let me just, I might just need to add this. Uh, different books in the Bible have different themes. For instance, the book of uh, Galatians is the book of freedom, the freedom we have in Jesus. The book of Philippians is the book of joy, no matter what in the world is going on in your life. The book of Philippians, you can just, like a dish rag, you can just take it and wring it and joy just flows out of it. Of course, the book of Revelation is the book of the revelation of things to come. Every, every book has a different theme. The book of 1 Corinthians is straighten up before I kill you, all right? But the, the book of Colossians is the great book of mystery in the Bible. And it's the great mystery of the indwelling life of Christ on the inside, the Holy Spirit of God inside of us. It is maybe the most difficult book to, uh, I'm not going to say understand, maybe the most difficult book to plumb, but it is wonderful. And we're going to talk today about roots, roots, roots. We're going to talk about roots. Matter of fact, let's just read Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, going to put two verses together here. Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. The Bible says this, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. Has anybody here received Christ Jesus as their Lord? Is anybody here saved? All right. A lot of people say we shouldn't use those words. Listen to me. We should use the words in the Bible. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him or so walk in him. Now that doesn't mean to put your boots on and go walking. If you've received Jesus, live in him. Go on with him. If you've received Jesus, live in him. All right, we know that. But here's the next verse we're going to look at. Rooted and built up in him. Rooted. We're going to talk about roots today. Rooted in Jesus. So the Bible tells me this. If I've received Jesus and uh, he's my savior, my Lord, my friend, my life, my everything, my roots should be in Jesus. We're going to talk about roots today. And here's what we're going to talk about. The root is revealed by the... Somebody say it. Bumper sticker. The root is revealed by the bumper sticker. Roots are revealed by the fruits. It is the fruit on the tree that reveals the root in the tree or reveals where the roots are at. It is the fruit that reveals the root. Matter of fact, um, let me go back. The greatest message ever preached in world history. Jesus said this. You will know them by their wardrobes. No, no. You can forget it. You will know them by their fruits. You know them by their fruits. And, and in that same verse, he said this. Do men gather grapes from thorns? Do they gather figs from briars? The answer is no. And so over here, you've got grapes and figs, briars and thorns. Grapes and figs refresh you. They nourish you. They're sweet. Briars and thorns cut you, hurt you, leave you bleeding. This ain't hard, dear ones. If people are sweet and they refresh you and they nourish you, that's a Jesus root. If people cut you and leave you bleeding and wound you, that ain't Jesus. That sounds more like somebody that would come to steal, kill, and destroy. This is not hard. Here's the point. The fruit reveals the root. Don't let anybody jack you around because we got a liar going around in the land today saying the fruit does not reveal the root. Yes, it does. All right, years ago, my son, I think he's four years old. We're walking one day behind the stables up the pasture line. I was going to grandma's house. And he stopped and he picked up something off the ground and he said, what's that? And I said, that's an apple. And he said to me, it doesn't look like an apple. I said, I am 40 years old. I have a college degree. I'm telling you, that's an apple. See what I mean by people jacking you around? I said, I'm telling you, it's an apple. And I could tell he was, 
he was hung out to dry because he didn't want to disrespect his daddy, but he knew good and well it wasn't no apple. And I said, I finally, I just said, I'm, I'm jacking you around, son. I said, I'm lying to you. I said, that's a persimmon. And I said, see that up there? That's a persimmon tree. And that persimmon fell out of the tree. I said, now, whatever you do, don't bite it till frost comes. It'll bite you back. But I said, that's a persimmon. And I said, the reason I lied to you is I'm going to teach you something. I said, all your life, people are going to try and jack you around and lie to you. All your life, people are going to tell you all kinds of nonsense. But I said, I want you to learn something, Bubba. If it's a persimmon, it is a persimmon tree. If you see an apple, that's an apple tree. If you see marshmallows, that is a marshmallow tree. What you will know the tree by its fruit. You, all, you can judge. So we shouldn't judge people. Why did Jesus say you will know them by their fruits? You need, well, you can call it, whatever, call it fruit inspection. I don't care what you call it. But you better have enough sense to know if there's a marshmallow hanging on it, it's a marshmallow tree. Let me tell you something. If there's love and joy and peace hanging on it, that's a Jesus tree. It's got Jesus roots. If there's meanness and hatred and judgment hanging on it, that ain't a Jesus tree because that ain't a Jesus root. Am I over your head here? Listen, we got more sense sometimes. I mean, you, you should be able to see this. Why do you think Jesus said to do that? And, and, and we by nature look around us. We do this without even trying which is good. I was in a, my, one of my daughters has a famous said, do not judge me, don't judge me, which means I need to be corrected usually. <laughs> Listen to me, we're going to judge everything. I have a dear friend of mine. I love her dearly. She lives down near Emerald Isle. She's a high school teacher. We're dear, dear friends. She knows my son too. And uh, I think it was back when she was in middle school years ago, she told a story of how that her dad said something to her one day and said he wasn't ugly. He just said it matter of factly. And he said to her, uh, you, you claim to be a Christian, but the way you treat your brother makes me wonder. And she said that, and she's so tender hearted, that really pierced her heart. And she said, that made me think, you know what, you know what he did? He saw marshmallows hanging on there and wondered, are you a marshmallow tree or what? He saw the fruit and he questioned the root because there was a difference there. Of course, if you get her now and her now, you realize Jesus wears blonde hair. She's just wonderful. But the deal is we all need to look at this thing. So the Bible teaches you and I, you will know them by their fruits. Fruit reveals the root. All right, here's the deal. In chapter three of Colossians, we have the big if. What's the first word in chapter three, verse one? If, if. If then you were raised with Christ, what simply mean what? If I'm truly born of Jesus. If Jesus lives inside of me, seek those things which are above where Christ is. Verse two, set your mind on things above, beautiful things, not on garbage. Verse three, you died. Your life is hidden with Christ. Verse four, what's these words? When Christ who is our life. So verses one through four, it simply say this. You've been born again. Jesus is inside of you. Christ is your life. Got it? So verses one through four, teach me and you that I've been born again. I'm a son of the living God. Jesus, his spirit's inside of me. But what's the first word in verse five? Therefore, at verse five, he shifts gears. All right, verses one through four, he says this. You got the Jesus root. If Jesus is on the inside, he shifts gears in verse five and he says, therefore, this fruit should be out of the house, put this stuff off of you, and this is the new fruit that should be showing on your tree. 
And through verses 17, five through 17, he gives two lists. And one is bad fruit, one is good fruit. And he, he simply said that, listen, man, he said, if Jesus has moved inside of you, here's what I expect to see on the outside. And he said this, if you see this on the outside, we have a problem, Houston. And uh, save reading through the whole thing, tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to read you the list. Uh, I mean, you can look at it. It's all in there. And I do want you to check, make sure I'm telling the truth. I don't ever take my word for it. You can always look at the Bible. But he lists several things. And he said, he said, put this stuff off. He said, this, this isn't our life anymore. He lists the bad fruit. And by the way, if God calls it bad, it's bad. Just thought I'd point that out. Immorality, filthiness, lust, evil desire, greed, idolatry, anger, hatred, blasphemy, which is to curse God. You know, it's pretty dumb to cuss somebody that big. What do you think? Filthy language and lying. Here's what he said. If you see this stuff, bad root, bad root. It's not, is this complicated this morning or what? Thank God for his word. Already shifts gears. Now he says this, put on, put on the new man. And here's how he described, he lists this list. Here's the list right here. By the way, this is Jesus. I'm fixing to read you the list. Here's what he said. If there's a Jesus root, there will be Jesus fruit. Uh, can anybody bear witness? If there's a Jesus root, there's a, there should be Jesus fruit. All right, here, here's the list. Here it is. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, long-suffering. You know what long-suffering is? That's when you suffer a long time with somebody. Check, out, check this out right here. Bending. The Bible says bearing with one another. You ever said this? I ain't going to put up with that no more. Mm -mm. Sorry, doc. The Bible said to bend with one another. That's the Jesus fruits, bending, bearing with people. Forgiveness. I know, I know what you're thinking. I know why you like forgiveness so much. You need it so much. You got it. <clears throat> Listen to this one. Zero complaining. You said, well, right there, look in verse 13. Do this if anyone has a complaint, drop it, drop it. No complaining. And then I'm going to throw one in here. And this seems to be the biggie. Let me show you why I think it's the big verse 14 says this above all these things. What does above all these things mean? Would that make it number one yeah. above all these things? Put on the love of God yeah. toward people. Now listen to this, which is the bond of perfection or the mark of maturity. How tragic in the American church that we think knowledge, the more I know, the more mature I am. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says the more I love, the more mature I am. The mark of maturity of a believer is, it's not that you can quote Bible verses, is that you can love like Jesus loves. Verse 14 is the pinnacle of the whole chapter where it says this, put on love, which is the mark of maturity. And then it lists these things, peace versus a Roman candle attitude, peace gratitude and singing all the time. That's Jesus fruit. If there's a Jesus root, this isn't hard. If there's a Jesus root, there's going to be compassion and kindness and forgiveness. And you're going to bend instead of being so hard to get along with. And you're going to be celebrating. You're going to be singing. You're going to be, there's going to be peace on the inside. Folks don't have to handle you with kid gloves. This is good preaching. They're not worried about you popping a cap if you don't get your way. Right, right there it is. He said that verses one through four, if you're in Jesus and Jesus is in you, this is the fruit right here. By the way, you know what those words are? That fruit is right there. 
That is the revelation of God. Because a God root yields God fruit. Not only that, it's the very life of Jesus. All right, you got it? There's your list right there. So we got that down pat. All righty. Now, does the Bible say you will know them by their fruit? It does, but that's back in Matthew. Does it say it in Colossians? All right, here's the score. If you'll read verses 5 through 17, you'll find that nowhere in there does it say you will know them by their fruit. 16 times it says you. Nowhere in there does it say them. Now, it does say them in Matthew, and that's talking about other people. But in this it says you. 16 times in 12 verses, it either says you or your. So who am I supposed to know this fruit by? You? Me. So I'm looking in me. You say, sound to me. I had more fun when I would know them by their fruit. I need to know me by my fruit. Um, Do you think it might be good to take a look? I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Let me show you a verse that's very unfamiliar, but is very wonderful. 2 Corinthians 13. You ever had somebody point out something that you couldn't see? You know, like they said, you got that green stuff stuck in your teeth. You ever had anybody do that? <laughs> or like there's a booger hanging out. <laughs> you ever had anybody point that out to you? You know, or something like that. Your shirt's not, your zipper's down, your shirt, whatever. Well, sometimes we need to take a look and see. I want you to look at one of the strange verses in the Bible. First Corinthians, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says this. Examine your neighbor. Is that what it says? Examine yourself as to whether you are in. It doesn't say as to whether you are religious. Are you in the faith? Have you been rooted? Test yourself. We love to test others. Give yourself a test. Do you not know yourselves that, watch this, Jesus is in you? So the Bible tells me to examine who? Now it does tell me to examine other people. That's Matthew 6, Matthew 7. But it tells me to examine myself. It tells me to test myself. And what am I looking for? How long I've been without cussing? How how much I go to church? No, what am I looking for? Is Jesus showing up? Is Jesus in me? And uh, someone examined myself. Now, Now, listen, do me a favor. Raise your head back up. Raise your head back up. Because people hear this and they go, oh, I'm just terrible. No, no, no. There is no condemnation from heaven. If, if we examine ourselves and we see something that's a little off, it's not so we can be beat up. It's so we can reroute. Reroute. The, the goal is not to... The, I maybe mean, if God's goal was to get us, we'd have been God. His goal is not to beat us up. We'd have been beat up because he's big. His goal is Christ in you, the hope of glory. His goal is to bring us to the place. But listen to me. I can't pick that green stuff out of my teeth till I know it's there. I can't reroute till I see the fruit. Till I get things reworked in here. So I do a little examination and uh, get this thing squared up. It's not to reroute. Let me tell you what we need. You know what the picture is here? The picture is a graft. Now I raise apples. I got about 30 different varieties of antique southern apples. Every one of my trees, when they were one year old, they were cut off about two inches above the ground. And those trees were taken and set down on a different root stock, different root. And they were wrapped and they grafted because this root stock is superior. 
and it gives greater fruit. So I took my tree. I didn't do it. The nursery did it. Stuck it on a different root. And now I got superior fruit because I got a better root. Got it? That's what it means in Christ. That's what it means to be. You, you, by, uh, listen to this. You've been grafted. First Corinthians says this. Of him you are in Christ Jesus. Who hath become unto us sanctification. Which means this. Jesus is the one who grows the fruit. All right, you got it? So we, we do that to, to take a look. We, 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 uh, let, me, let me ask you a question. Let's go back to Colossians. Go back to Colossians 3 with me. I need you to check something for me. You say, I know, Brother Brian, I should, I should try to be a better Christian. You just failed the test. You failed the test big time. Furthermore, I don't want to be around you anymore. I can't stand that stuff. Do you see anywhere in Colossians where you're supposed to try? You see the word try anywhere in there? What's the word you see over and over in Colossians? Put on, put on, put on. In verse 10, he says, put on. Verse 12, put on. Verse 14, put on. There's a big difference in trying and putting on. All right, here's my apple tree. And I got a good tree, but it's got a weak inferior root system. Does that tree need to grunt, strain? <laughs> what? Or does that tree need to be regrafted? into a superior root stock to bear better fruit. You got it. The Bible doesn't tell you to try to be a Christian. The word try is nowhere in the Bible. It tells you to rooted. We read 2 Corinthians 2, excuse me, Colossians 2, 6 and 7. As you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted in Him, not grunting. Yes. All right, let's go to verse 6. Let me ask you a question. The Bible says this, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so live in him. Let me ask you a question. How did you receive Jesus? Did you come to Jesus and say, dear Jesus, if you'll save me 50%, I'll save myself the other 50%. Is that how you came to him? Guess what we call people like that? Lost. <laughs> did you come to him and say, Lord Jesus, if you'll just forgive me my sins, I promise you I'll never sin again. Did you, did you come like that? No, sir. Let me tell you how we received Christ Jesus the Lord. I can't help myself. Just as I am without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me. Jesus, I'm coming to you by faith. I am lost. And if you don't save me, I'll stay lost. All my hope is in you. Is that not how we receive him? Amen. Won't you live like that? Instead of getting up every day and saying, I got to do better today. You didn't save yourself like that. Why don't you get up every day and say, unless you help me, I'm not going to make it. As you receive Christ Jesus the Lord in humility and total trust, won't you walk like that? It doesn't say rooted in Brian's effort, rooted in Him, trusting Him, leaning on Him. Right, now, let me, let me point something out here to you. If you're trying to be a better Christian, is that not self-effort? Answer is yes. Self-effort can only lead to one thing, which is self-righteousness. Self-effort can only lead to self-righteousness, which is going to mean you're probably going to do a little better than some folks. Yes, you may not drink. You may not cuss much when people are listening. You may have some things you don't do, but you're going to be the most arrogant snot and nobody can stand to be around you. Plus, you're going to fail directly and I'm going to see it because God will do it. He'll make you do it right in front of me. Then I'm going to say, I told you so. Self-effort leads to self-righteousness, not the fruit of the Spirit. And it leads to dead Pharisee religion, which between me and you, we've got enough of in this nation. 
All right, so self-righteousness is the fruit of self, period, any way you cut it. But what does the Bible say? It says, put on. It doesn't say try harder. It says, put on. Put on the Lord Jesus. Matter of fact, let me, one of my favorites is Romans 13, 14, which says this, or it's 14, 13, I can't remember. I think it's 13, 14. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and there will be no room left for your ugly side. Put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the ugly nature. This, this is the wonder and the mystery of Jesus on the inside to live. I think most people know you have to trust Jesus to save you. What we don't know is the other half of the gospel is you have to trust him to live it in you. Look with me in Colossians 3, verse 4. This is a great verse again. When Christ, who is our life. Now we know he's our salvation. We know he's our eternal habitation. But what does it say right there? He's our daily walking around life. Christ, who is our life, he will appear. This is the promise. It's called grace. And it is the mystery of the grace of God to do for me what I could never do. Matter of fact, it is pretty mysterious. Look across the page at Colossians 1.27. Oh, I love this verse, Colossians 1.27. To them the Father willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Here it is, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know what hope of glory is? I got saved. I began to follow Jesus. I was hoping, hoping I would live a better life. I was hoping instead of being so hateful and self-centered and arrogant and snotty. Of course, I didn't realize I had that green stuff in my teeth till Jesus pointed it out. I was hoping to live a better life. I was hoping for a glorious life. I was hoping to love like Jesus loved. I was hoping to have the joy of Jesus. I was hoping to be peaceful like Jesus instead of popping a cap all the time. I was hoping to be as humble as Jesus and to be as kind. As, I was hoping for a better life. Would you say that is hoping for glory? Yeah. Tell me where it is. Christ in you is the hope of glory, not you trying. This is the great, that's why it's called a mystery. Mystery means hidden secret. But God has desired to make known to you that the secret to life is not you trying, it's Jesus on the inside. It's Christ in you, which is the hope of glory. How many believers, how many sincere Christians do I know that they beat themselves up, they try harder, they, they beat themselves up, they're trying to do better because they are still rooted in themselves. It might be a good self, it might be sincere, but it is you. Friends, self-effort's not gonna work. Let me make an announcement. There ain't never been but one Christian on the face of this earth and his name is Jesus and he's the only one can do it. And the only way you're going to do it is if he comes in the inside and does for you what you could never do for yourself. And we live in him the same way we met him like that. Let me show you another one. We need to examine this a little bit. Turn with me to Galatians. I'm going to show you two. Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20. Now, many people live by the law, which means they get a copy of the Ten Commandments plus all the other commandments that men have tacked on to them, and they try to live that. Good luck. You mind if I watch? Yeah. Let me tell you something. The law will break you. Trying to obey God's word will break you. The Bible said in Romans chapter seven, it won't make you better. It'll actually make you worse. Yes, sir. You let a highway patrolman pull up behind you. You'll run off the side of the road trying to drive better. The Bible says the law, the, listen, the rules cannot set you free. The Bible said in Romans seven, the rules actually cause you to want to sin more. My base nature 
the Bible said the sinful passions which are aroused by the law. You start preaching the law to me and I just want to sin more. You start preaching, I can't cuss nobody, can't cuss nobody. I'll do it by dark. This thing called religion is killing us. Christ is life. All right, Galatians 2.20, again, is the great mystery. And the Bible, this is a wonderful verse. It says this, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. I'm not doing this. But Christ lives in me. How many of you believe that if you open your heart, you're born again and the very spirit of Jesus comes inside of you? Very God is in here. Listen to what 1 Corinthians says. Know you not that your body is the very temple of God? Know you not that the very God himself lives? The same Jesus who walked the shores of Galilee is in his heart right here. Jesus in me. The Bible said, I've been crucified. It's no longer I. Christ lives in me. Now watch these words. The life which and I live in the flesh, walking around, the life which and I live, I live by trying real hard not to screw up. That's not what it says. I live by faith. In who? Brian? The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. My walking around everyday life, Jesus better come through or somebody's in trouble. Amen. You know what that's called? That's the grace of God. Look at the first words in the next verse. I do not set aside the grace of God. Who would be so, who would be so, I started to say stupid, I shouldn't have said that. Who'd be so foolish as to set aside the grace? Who would be so foolish as to say, I, I got to live this life. And Jesus stands, comes right here and he says, I'll live it for you. And we, get, and we say, no, I'm going to push aside the grace of God. I think I can handle this. Who would push aside the grace of God? Friend, the grace of God is that Jesus will do in you what you can never do for yourself. You say, that almost sounds too good to be true. You know what it sounds like to me? It sounds too good not to be true. This is the gospel that's not been heard. It's the other, it's the, we know he alone can save. Why don't we know he alone can live it? And the life which and I live, I live by faith, trusting the son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. Let me show you a verse in the Bible. I've even heard preachers quote, I've seen it on churches, message boards reversed and it'll kill people. Turn me to John chapter three. This is one of the great, this, this is perhaps the best news I ever found out as a young man. Cause when I got saved, I got into a church. that was very group of very serious about what they do. They're going to follow God. And, uh, but they were, they were fair, had a Pharisee spirit and boy, they, if you messed up, you was in trouble and they just, they like to kill me. And it was more discouragement and fear than it was hope and help. And in John chapter three, <laughs> This is, this is one of the craziest things, how we turn this upside down. John chapter three, before we read the verse, I want to show you a promise Jesus made. John three, I believe it's verse five, where Jesus said this. Jesus answered, let me give you a little background here. A religious man comes to Jesus at night and he said to him, you know, my crowd don't like you, but I've seen you raise the dead. You got to know something. I'm not even if you can raise the dead, you got to know something. He said, no man can do the miracles you do unless God is with him. You know, you healing all these sick people. I want to hear what you got to say. And he, and he said, uh, and he asked some questions. Jesus cuts right to the chase. He just interrupts the man and says, in verse five, Jesus said, what's these words? Assuredly, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. He said, he said Doc, unless the spirit of God comes inside of you, you can't experience this. You, unless you're born of the Spirit, you can't experience the love and the joy and the peace and the hope. And the, you, you can't do this unless God comes inside of you. 
unless you're born. Now, born of water means born of woman. Obviously, you have to be born to know God. You have to be born of woman, but then you have to be born of the Spirit. Unless you're born of water and the Spirit, you won't ever touch the kingdom of God. Oh, you can be religious as the Pope, but you can't experience God, the kingdom of God. And then here's the great verse that gets everybody dumped upside down. Verse 30. Watch this. I must decrease and he must increase. Is that what it says? That is not what it says. Go back and read it again. I quoted you the way I've seen it on message boards. I quoted it to you the way dead religion says it. Dear ones, I don't decrease first. He increases first. Do you see the difference? Now, I I heard preaching when I was young. Here's how they preached. I I must decrease so he can increase. That's self-effort. And here's the thing. The more your sin you get out of you, the more Jesus you can have. I've heard that preached all my life. That is not the gospel of Jesus. What's the gospel of Jesus? Read it. He must increase and then I'll decrease. The more of Jesus that comes in, the more me disappears. When you do it upside down, you just condemn people. When you put it right side up, you go, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. They're not only saved a wretch like me, it's living through a wretch like me. So here's the deal. If I want less of my selfishness and anger and pride, I don't need to quit it. I need to be filled with Jesus. I don't even know what the the air pointing that way means. Y'all know what that means? Here's the deal. His love coming in runs my selfishness out the back door. His peace coming in, if his peace will come in me, my anger and strife will be gone. I don't get rid of my anger to get his peace. I get his peace to get rid of my anger. I don't get rid of my selfishness to love like he does. His love baptizes my heart and my selfishness just naturally disappears. He increases. And when he increases, I decrease. I'm talking about the ugly, ugly side of it in there. If his patience, listen, I've never believed we should be patient. Y'all read it. No, you read it. It's in the list. Matter of fact, several places listed. We should be kind to one another. We should be patient. <clears throat> Love is patient. I've always heard patience. Why does he have to pick on me so much? <clears throat> now, some of you think you're superior because you're patient. You're God. You're not patient. You just got a dead personality. That's what's wrong with you. But those of us that are type A, if you ever see me patient, God's in the house. You can rest assured. But listen, p- people say that you need to try to be patient. No, you don't. When his patience comes in, my impatience disappears. His patience must increase. And my impatience, you say, man, that, that's pretty good. Yeah, this is God. This is the goodness of God. It, when you take, um, when his compassion starts to flood in, naturally my hardness just disappears. When Jesus shows up, the garbage goes away. When his hope begins to flood my heart, my discouragement and despair cannot stay there. Listen, the light shone in the darkness and the darkness could not overcome it. Light has never run from darkness. Darkness runs from light. When Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world, shows up in me, the darkness in me flees. You say, well, what's, what's your part? We don't see that in a minute. To God be the glory. This is the gospel of Jesus. It's, it's the great message of Jesus. Let me, here, let me, let me help you. I'm going to help you. It's a visual illustration is what this is right here. I'm going to help you with this thing. I got my cup here. And uh, let me tell you, I got my cup because there are no great Christians in the earth. None. The Bible says none. 
You say, my grandma, silence. There are no great Christians in the earth. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 4. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the greatness of the power might be of God and not of me. Dear ones, of course, that's plastic. But back then they had pottery cups. And it's a picture of this. This thing is not supposed to be how great I am. We don't sing how great I am. We don't sing that. How great thou art. We have a treasure in earthen vessels. Excuse me. The treasure is Jesus on the inside of me that the greatness of the power might be of God and not of me. All right. I've got a problem with this cup right here. Can y'all see what the problem is? There's air in it. There's dirty air in it because there might be Corona bugs floating around here and there's dirty air in that cup. All right. I've got my problem is this. I got to get the air out of that cup. Can we all agree that we all have problems? You say, I'm not as impatient as you are. Well, you're snottiness. I'm not as snotty as you are. You know, we got different things, but <laughs> we've all got different junk in us that we need to get rid of. So you got one of two ways you can get rid of the junk in your life. You can do one of two things. Number one, you can suck it out. You can suck it out. There's several problems with trying to suck the air out of that glass. Number one, you'll look like an idiot. Number two, it's going to leave a ring around your face. Number three, it is work. It is work to suck the air out of a glass. And number four, when you quit sucking, the air's coming right back in. I don't know that sucking's the best way. See, that's a picture of religion, which sucks. That's what it does. And you're trying, to, you're trying to get the junk out of your life through self-effort. That sucks. That's why it's called sucking. Now, <laughs> uh, yeah, this will go over great. Here, here's the deal. Let me show you another way I can get the air out of this glass here. I can either suck it out, which leaves a ring around my face and looks stupid. Or I can, what did it say in Colossians 3? I can put on the Lord Jesus Christ. But let me tell you something. In Ephesians 5, which is one book back, it says the same thing. It just says it different. Ephesians 5, 17, 7 says this. Understand the will of the Lord. Verse 18 says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Same thing. All right, this is, I'm going to pretend this is my cup right there because this is my cup. And here's my cup. And in my cup, I got selfishness. Man, I hate to admit it in front of y'all. I got selfishness. I got quick temperedness. I got... Uh, Let's see what else I can find. Well, I ain't gonna tell you what else in there, but it's, it's, uh, it's in there. There's a redneck in there. There's all kinds of stuff in there. And this stuff's gotta go. So I can either suck it out or you know what I can do? I can just be, I can, by the way, another way to get air out of a glass, fill it full of water. I can just, I can just, there we go. I can just fill it up like that. And uh, let me tell you something. There ain't no air in that glass now. And I didn't put out much effort and I don't have to keep sucking either. It's just, do you understand what I'm saying here? This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now you say, man, you sucked that thing plumb dry, didn't you? Nope. Christ in me is the hope of glory. And if the hope of me being patient, it ain't me sucking and trying. It's that something's got to come in there. And this, that is the gospel of Jesus. And, and you notice I don't put out no effort whatsoever. I'd give it to somebody, but I don't want that bug to be on nobody there. That, that's, the, that's, that's the gospel of Jesus. The way you get the air out of a cup is not, don't suck it. Fill it with water. The way you get the garbage out of your life is not to try. That's self-effort. It's to be filled with the Spirit of Jesus. It's to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's to, 
It's Christ in you is the hope of glory, not you grunting. And we, we're dumb. We got all these efforts and techniques we've come up with, you know, so well, just don't go over there. And they won't make you mad. You ought to be able to go. St- Listen, Jesus had no trouble with that. All these techniques we have. I, I remember one of the dumbest ones I ever heard. I, I wasn't at a men's conference. Somebody told me, so they go to the men's conference and they're talking about men lusting. Men have trouble with lust. I understand women got trouble with lust now from the pornographic sight use. And they said, the deal is get a big heavy rubber band and put it around your wrist. And anytime you start to lust, just pull that thing out and pop it and it'll help you. The problem's not in your wrist, doc. Jesus said, out of the heart. You can put a rubber band around your heart. Let me tell you something. That's not God's answer. You're just going to lust with a sore wrist. Cold showers just going to make you a cold luster. That's not the issue either. Listen, God's answer is Christ in you. The hope of glory. There is no other way except the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus himself coming on the inside. And Jesus on the inside can fill the cup and get rid of the junk. All righty. Here's one of the greatest truths I ever heard. I was a preacher for years before I ever heard this. I'm going to confess one more sin to you. I got a lot of them, but I'm going to confess one. I still struggle with the people who taught me that crap when I was a young Christian. I'm trying to forgive them. I guess I need more water in my cup, don't I? Why didn't somebody tell me the whole gospel and the truth when I was young? But here's the good news. One of the greatest news messages I ever heard. Number one, the greatest message I ever heard was Jesus died for you and you can be saved. I believe that right off the bat. They forgot to tell me the other one. But years down the road, here's the greatest message I ever heard. God does not demand a beautiful life. God gives a beautiful life. That's the gospel. I knew there. I, I just looked up one day and I said, you know, somebody can paint a sunset and I can't even find my car keys and you expect me to do all this. God doesn't demand a glorious life. He gives a glorious life. Christ didn't use the hope of glory. Not that. All right, you say, okay, Brother Brown, I, I hear what you're saying. How do I do it? We're going to talk about the how and then we're going to go eat chicken for Mother's Day. <clears throat> the Bible said, back to Colossians 3, put on the Lord Jesus. It says, you mean like you put on a jacket? I'm going to give you three words to put on the Lord Jesus. Number one, humility. Everything with our king begins with humility. He, he woke me up. Yeah, I think it was yesterday morning, early yesterday morning. A lot of times, let, let me, let me th- can I throw something in for free here? <clears throat> the moment you gain conscious in the morning, listen to your heart because your mind is out of the way and God can speak through your heart and your spirit can just speak to you. And first thing yesterday morning when I gained conscious, he just, he, prayed, he said, water runs to the lowest place, son. My spirit moves to the greatest humility. All right, humility is this. Humility says this. (laughs) Dear Jesus, I'm not even going to try to be good today because I can't. You say, how dare you say that? No, no, no. If I say, you know, I've been a Christian 40 some years. I've been preaching almost 40 years. I should be, we're in trouble. That's pride. That's self-confidence, self-effort. I wake up every morning and I say, this world's in trouble if you don't come through today. I made a statement one time preaching and got a dirty letter for it. And I said, if Jesus don't help me, I'll be done cussed you out by dark. And somebody said, what kind of minister are you? And I wrote him back, said the cowboy type. I'm going to be honest with you. If he don't come through, I'll cuss you out for dark. You say, well, you huff all you want to, but let me make an announcement. I ain't cussed nobody out in 30 some years. He has come through every day. Humility says, I can't do this. Where'd we get this thing? You're supposed to be great. God is great. 
And you start every day with the humility, dear Jesus, I can't. Listen to me. Since Jesus Christ said in John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. Tell me what you think you can do without him. This is good preaching right here. All right, this ought to tick you off. I got some dirty letters for this right here too. One day Jesus is sitting in Hooters. He sure was. It's Luke chapter five, if you want to look it up sometime. And uh, Jesus is sitting in Hooters and he's eating with some sinners in Hooters. And um, Luke chapter five. And the Bible said the ministerial association went by and saw Jesus eating in Hooters and said they criticized him for sitting there and eating with sinners. They're mad because he's eating with sinners. I want you to listen to what God said about their anger. Jesus said this, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people need a doctor. You said, I didn't know there were any healthy people. He's talking about attitudes here. And you know what he said? If you don't need me, I won't help you. But if you're sick and you need help, you call me and I'll help you. And then he said this, I've heard, I've heard preachers, I know this is my time to be old preachers. I've heard preachers say, Jesus came for everybody. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. The next verse, I think it's verse 36, Jesus said this, I did not come to call the righteous. Jesus didn't come for everybody. I came to call sinners to repentance. So if you're a pretty good person, you're righteous, you can handle it, you don't need Jesus. But if you're sick and you're a sinner like me and you're still one after 40 years, call him, he'll be there. If I ever start me a church, I'm going to put the sign out front there. You know how country clubs have this thing? Members only. I'm a member of the country club. Members only. I'm going to start me a church. I'm going to have the name on it out there. And I'm going to have a little sign hanging in there that says sinners only. I've had about all the church people I can stand. I can handle the sinners a whole lot better. Jesus came for the sin. Humble yourself and say, I need thee every hour. Let me give you the greatest picture. I'm a young man. I went to lifeguard school so I could be a lifeguard because I figured during the summers, sitting on a chair watching girls swim was better than carrying bricks up a ladder. So I decided to be a lifeguard. So I'm in lifeguard school. Let me tell you what they taught. First thing I always teach in lifeguard school, if somebody's drowning, don't help them. Which sounds contrary. You know, that's why ministers don't make good lifeguards. I see that hand. I see that hand. Are there others? That's why they don't make good lifeguards. All right. So here, here the deal says, if they're still kicking and thrashing, don't try to help them. They'll drown the both of you. Just swim near them and stay back. And when they completely run out of gas and give up trying to save themselves and start to go under, you just move in, cradle them, bring them back to shore. I heard that and the Spirit of God said, that's the gospel. As long as you're still trying to live a good life, the Holy Spirit's just going to stand back and say, you just keep kicking. But when you give up and you say, I can't do this, that's when the Spirit of God moves in and said, I done found somebody I can help now. One of my dear friends for years, we were at the sheriff's departments together. He works with us here now. And he said, I tried to quit smoking for years and years, not as a religious thing. I just knew it wasn't good for me. And he said, I'd go for, I'd go for maybe a half hour. I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I doubt it. I said, I always go back. He said, one morning I'm getting dressed and I'm in there and I'm looking in my mirror in the bathroom and said, I looked them things. I laid them down. And I just bowed my heart. And I said, dear Jesus, I just can't quit. I can't stop. And if you don't help me, I won't make it. He said, I've never touched one since. Grace flows to the lowest place. God meets you when you say, I can't do this. The key to putting Jesus on is to put you off. Humility. Number two, and by the way, let me point, can I, can I throw in something for free here? We start so humble, why can't we stay humble? You know, when I got saved, I was broken. 
I needed Jesus. My life was a mess. I got on my knees and leaned across an old bus bumper on the shore of Car Lake and just said, I, I've got to have you. I was humbled when I met Jesus. Why can't I live the rest of my life like that? Why do we start so humble and then we have a few good days and say, you know what? I'm doing pretty good. Guess who's reading your mail now? That might be a devil root instead of a Jesus root. I'm not sure. If Listen, you started humble. Stay humble. If I live to be 105 and become a great preacher, whatever the heck that means, on the last day of my life, he better still come through. I'm going to cuss somebody out. I know, somebody should write a song. Richie, how about this? I need thee every hour. I mean, we need to get back to depending on Jesus. You say, well, the way you talk, you don't have to do anything. You figure that out by yourself. Number two, number one, humility. Number two, faith. Faith. After humility comes faith. Now, I told you humility says this. I need all the help I can get. Faith says this. I can get all the help I need. Humble yourself. Jesus said he'd meet you there. You need to say stuff like this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You need to say stuff like this. The life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You've you, you got to believe Jesus is who he says he is. You've got to believe that Jesus can do what he said he could do. You've got to believe the Bible that Jesus is in you. Can I ask you a question? Did Jesus struggle to be Jesus? Did you ever see Jesus bite his tongue? Did you ever see Jesus trying to be better? Jesus is really good at being Jesus. He's really good at being Jesus in you if you just believe him. I'm going to say it again. The same Jesus that walked the shores of Galilee is living inside of you right now if you're born again. And he can live it. He can release himself inside. The word number three we're done is the word fellowship. Humility. I really need Jesus. I know, I know that some of you may think, you, you uh, I don't know if you ought to be a preacher or not. You, you geared more for truck driving. Bingo. Bingo. That's why I think it's so funny that God's blessed me so much. I've actually had ministers point that out to me. I'm so much more ministerial than you are. God's blessed you so much more than he has me. And I said, ask him when you get there, Bubba. Let me, let me throw this in here. You've got to humble yourself. Number two, you've got to believe God will do what he said he'd do. But the third word is fellowship. Fellowship. Uh, you know what fellowship means? Jesus said it like this in John 15, 5. Abide in me. And I and you. Let me give you a principle. See if you agree with this principle. You've seen this with your youngins and you've seen it with other people. Here it is. Here's the principle. If you'll hang around somebody with a strong personality, you will start to become like them without trying. That's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, be careful who you run around with because bad company corrupts good morals. When, when these teenagers, I love my teenagers. I could slap them naked sometime. I, I love them to death though. When my teenagers say to me, you can't judge me by my friends, I just want to say, you fell out of the idiot tree and hit your head on every limb on the way down. What do you mean I can't judge you? Your friends are the best judge I have of you. If you think you can, Grandma said it like this, lay with the dogs, you're going to get up with the fleas. Run with the turkeys, you're going to scratch with the turkeys. Dear ones, strong, if you hang around a strong personality, it will rub off on you without you even trying. That's called fellowship. I can tell you've been hanging around with somebody. Why did Jesus say abide in me? All right, let me point this out. If you hang around with the devil, 
Before long, you will become like him without even trying. Just thought I'd point that out. (laughs) But let me point out the big one here. You hang around with Jesus, you will become like him without even trying. You just can't be around Jesus and it not rub off on you. That's what Jesus meant when he said in John 15, 5, abide in me. He who abides in me bears much fruit. You hang around me, it'll be there. It didn't say grunt. It didn't say try. It didn't say try to remember. It didn't say make notes and stick them on your mirror. It said hang around me. Hang around me and it'll be there. All right, here's my picture of hanging around Jesus. I'm a country preacher years ago in a little place called Peachland. I shouldn't have said it. A little country church years ago. I didn't say where it's at, but it's in the country. And uh, I love, we had the best time. They treated us like grandchildren. Loved them folks. And there was a lady in that church and I loved her dearly. She became like a grandmother to me. And they were just humble country people, lived out in a little humble house. <clears throat> I don't know any other way to say it than just to say it. So I'm going to say it and I hope I don't offend you. As I said, I'm really geared more toward truck driving. And anyway, uh, this lady... She had one, one winter coat, big old black heavy furry thing, and she kept it in mothballs. Y'all know what, young folks, y'all don't know what mothballs are, but years ago, old people used to keep their clothes in mothballs so the moth wouldn't eat them. Well, you store something in mothballs and any way you cut it, any way you cut it. I don't know if you ever smelled a mothball or not, just that's right up there with eating a persimmon, but it, they're not, they stink. And uh, she kept that coat in mothballs, and, and it always smelled like it. Well, at, this lady, she loved me dear, and I loved her. I don't care if she keeps it in sassafras, it matter to me. But she, would, she loved to hug her preacher. She was a hugger and she loved to hug her preacher. Well, she called hugging, technically in wrestling, we used to call her half Nelson, but she called it hugging. And she'd waller all over you and just squeeze you and tell how much she just loved you and just, oh. And I would walk off from her after a while and I'd get in the car and I'd smell mothballs. They was on me. You could not waller all over her and not come away smelling like her. You said that's the worst illustration I ever heard. I told you I should have been a truck driver. The point is, you can't walk close to Jesus and not come away smelling like him. You, you hang around with Jesus. Here's another idea for a song. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. You just can't hang around Jesus and not... Darren's just not about trying. It's about hanging around with the man. It is about fellowshipping. Listen to the Bible. This is the call on my life. I was not called to run a church. The call on my life is 1 Corinthians 1, 9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ. My wife was not created to wash my underwear. Now she does it. She folds it and she stacks it. It's a miracle. And she, that woman's fast too. A lot of times, by the time I'm out of the shower, it's cleaning back in the drawer. That woman is fast. But she was not created to do that. She was created to be my girlfriend. It's the relationship. I wasn't created to run a church, go to church, not cuss, do right, give tithe. I was created to be in love with Jesus. I was called into the fellowship of Jesus. And when you fellowship with Jesus, everything else will be there. It'll all be there. This is the gospel of Jesus. This is the wonderful good news of the, of the gospel of Jesus. All right, let me quit by saying this. Um, you can tell I'm quitting. My Bible's closed. But I know enough I can quote it. It's closed. <clears throat> I never understood Christianity as a young man. <clears throat> I didn't. I, you know, I, they drug, I had a drug problem. Uh, yeah, mama drugged me to church once in a while. I had a drug problem. And I, but I never understood Christianity. And I wasn't interested in it. Because it was so ugly. It was just a bunch of frumpy old people was mad about me drinking and cussing and listening to Led Zeppelin and they were pretty depressed and, 
And you know, they said to me, you should come become one of us. And I thought, God have mercy. You know, the problem was I wasn't rejecting Jesus. I never saw Jesus. I was rejecting the garbage I'd been taught. And um, they, they would come visit me. I can remember they'd come talk to me. Their faces were always scrunched up real serious. And they'd say, do you know you're going to go to hell? Well, it was true, but I wanted to say, and you call this good news? And they just talked to me about how bad I was and how I was going to hell and yada, yada. And I thought, and I remember a dear lady came to me one time and she, was, and she said, do you want to go to hell? And I just said, are you going to be there? <laughs> I never heard anything good. But one day I picked this book up. You know what I saw in this book? What is the first word about the son of God the night he was born? Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which is to all people. For there's born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who will, who will beat his people up, who will save his people from their sins. That's the best news I ever heard. The good news, not that he demanded that I straighten up, that he would save me from my sins. He has saved me from my hatred. I mean, he saved me from hell because I trust him. He saved me from my hatred. He saved me from my misery. He saved me from my stupidity. Partially. He's still working on me. Dear ones, if it, if it don't bring you great joy, it's not the gospel. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. When you tell me quit cussing, quit smoking and be as mad as us, you call that good. That don't bring me no good joy, big joy, great joy. <laughs> that scares me to death. The man will give you everything you're looking for. That brings me great joy. Yes. Said, he never promised that. What Bible are you reading from, Bubba? Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Yes. I want to make an announcement. The God of this Bible is good. I'd pick my cup up, but I'd spill it. Religion sucketh. <laughs> Jesus is wonderfuleth. Yes. Let me tell you something. Follow Jesus. And let Jesus be Jesus in you. The same Jesus that saved you can save you yes. every day and be everything you need. That's why Christ knew the hope of glory. Lord Jesus, I just praise you. I don't know why everybody don't follow you. I don't know why everybody didn't just run to you. You're the most beautiful person that ever lived. All you ever did was take the pain and the stupidity and the garbage out. And, and why don't people follow you? If people could see you, if people ever saw you, your word said in that same passage where I said you went to Hooters. Now, Lord Jesus, I know there wasn't a Hooters in your day, but it was the same whatever it was then. It said all the sinners were drawn to you. What is it about you that just magnetizes people? Apparently they saw something we don't see today. I thank you that you're the most attractive, wonderful, beautiful person that ever lived. And I praise you and thank you that your goal is not to make my life miserable. Your goal is not to take my freedom away and screw my life up. Your goal is to dress me in the beauty of Jesus and let people see this is what the real God can do for a man or woman that will follow him. I love you and praise you and thank you. I pray for every person listening. 
Dear Jesus, if there's anybody out there listening today who has not started, your word said as you received Christ, who hadn't received you yet, hey, Lord Jesus, let's get him in right now. Let's do it right now. Friend, as we're praying, if you've never received Jesus as your Savior, you never opened your heart to the Son of God, won't you do it right now? Why don't you just open your heart? Jesus said, whosoever, whoever comes to me, I will in no wise throw away. Come to Jesus. He's called every person to himself. You can do it by praying a simple childlike prayer. It's got to be from your heart. You got to mean it. From the heart, say this with me. Dear Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on a cross because you love me. I believe you rose from the grave because you are almighty. I believe you care about me. And I come to you today and I receive you as my savior, my Lord, the love of my life, and the best friend a boy ever had or a girl ever had. I receive you today, Lord Jesus. From this day forward, I follow you. Forgive me of my sins. I repent. And I'm going to chase you, Jesus. Deliver me from dead religion. Let me know you personally. And I pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Friend, if you prayed that with your heart, welcome to the family of God. Now do me a favor. Live every day the rest of your life just like you prayed that prayer. Trusting Jesus. Get your Bible. He'll talk to you in there. Lord Jesus, we love you and praise you and thank you until the day that we see Christ in us, the hope of glory. We keep seeking your face. Thank you for every person. Thank you for my church. I miss them. Look forward to seeing them again face to face. But I thank you and praise you that though they can't be where I am, they is where you is all the time because you is always with them. And they really need you more than they need me anyway. So thank you for being where they are. Thank you for every person. And Lord Jesus, I want to wrap up this day by saying thank you for mama. Oh, how you blessed us so much. My mama loved me and cared for me. And she was so good to me on both sides. And I thank you and praise you. I pray today not just be one of them, go through the motion, get some flowers, get a gift, go eat. I pray we really slow down and realize, look what God has given me. Thank you that these mamas went to death's door to get us into this world and have loved us ever since. And bless them on this day when we celebrate the gift of God to us through our mamas. Let Jesus be glorified. In his precious name I pray, amen.